It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Nine minutes after eight. Now, last night, President Jacob Zuma reversed his decision to appoint David Des van Rooyen as a Minister of Finance, replacing him with former Finance Minister Praveen Gordon. Now, the President reshuffled his cabinet in a sec- for a second time in five days yesterday when uh, he reappointed Gordon. This after reconsidering his decision to replace Ntlantla Nene with David van Rooyen. Now, the President's dramatic turnaround occurred after the rent tumbled to historic lows and opposition parties questioned questioning the decision and a social media campaign of hashtag Zuma must fall and AC stalwarts Barbara Hogan, amongst others, repeatedly calling on the president to be held accountable. So on the forum at eight this morning, uh, we look at President Jacob Zuma's decision to reverse his appointment of David van Rooyen as Minister of Finance and to appoint or reappoint Praveen Gordon to that portfolio. What are the political and economic repercussions of these decisions? The lines are open. Oh, wait, you can SMS us on the number 34701 at a cost of one rand. And you can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM. And joining us for this discussion, Dr. Azar Jamin, who can only be with us until 8.30. Appreciate the time all the same. Thanks so much for speaking to us this morning, Dr. Jamin. Thank you very much. And good morning also to Professor and uh, the professor is referring to Professor Somadota Fikeni, political analyst, who is also on the line to us. Uh, thanks for your time as well, Prof. Well, thank you, Sakina. Thank you to your listeners as well as uh, to my fellow panelist, uh, Azar. Now, uh, General, let me just uh, start by outlining and reading what uh, the uh, president's statement said yesterday. He said, I've received many representations to consider, uh, to reconsider my decision. As a democratic government, we emphasize the importance of listening to the people and to respond to their views. And in this regard, I have, after serious consideration and reflection, taken the following decision. Finance. I have appointed uh, Mr. Praveen Gordon, the current Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, as the new Minister of Finance. And Minister Gordon will return to a portfolio that he had held proficiently during the fourth administration. And then goes on to outline um, what exactly he will be leading. Now, just that right there, Dr. Jameen, what does that say to us? Um, I am suspicious that especially following the statements made by uh, senior ministers such as uh, Jeff Radebe and Aaron Motswaledi on Friday afternoon, that they were not e- uh, even consulted about this. And it has since come to pass that they were having a meet. They had a meeting two hours prior to the announcement with Mr. Minister Nene himself, who is outlining South Africa's economic problems, it appears to me that the cabinet was far from enamored with what decision was taken by uh, President Zuma. And I think that the cabinet itself may have brought pressure to bear on the president to revise his decision to appoint David van Rooyen as uh, uh, Minister of Finance. Now, uh, Professor Figeni, uh, the, the presidency viewed that in a strong enough light to issue a statement last week that says that there's no obligation on the part of the President of the Republic to inform or consult other members of Cabinet 
or the national executive prior to making any appointment or changes. The only people who are informed are those who are affected by the changes. So who do you think it is that prevailed on the president ultimately? Was it the markets? Was it um, cabinet? Was it South African public? Who do you think prevailed? I think it's a combination of all those, especially when some of the key prominent leaders, veterans of the ANC, were beginning to take swipe at the president. The hashtag uh, President Zuma must fall, as well as the fact that for the first time in a long while, uh, the Thai Partite Alliance members, particularly Kosat, was quite critical of the decision. And uh, the cabinet seemed to distance itself from the decision. The ANC seemed to just note and distance itself. So it portrayed a person who seemed to be isolated with little or no consultation or, if any, with more informal, uh, you know, reference groups that he would be doing so. So I think the cumulative effect of this so close to local government elections all those would have taken place to persuade him. But what is bizarre, though, is that when he spoke in the Mpumalanga ANC conference, he still seemed to be sure of his decision, certain and confident. The question is what took place between that time, a matter of hours, and the time when the decision was made to change. And that is the million-dollar question. But be that as it may, regardless of what the reasons may be, Dr. Jamin, um, that seems almost immaterial because what matters ultimately is the consequences of those decisions. Absolutely. And uh, one of the consequences, obvious consequences of this retraction, is that uh, modicum, a, a, a semblance of confidence has restored to the markets. You see, the markets were terribly scared that, especially after David Van Royen's initial speech uh, after his appointment, where he said, I'm going to make the Treasury more accessible to the people, and I'm going to concentrate on rural areas, and I'm going to do this, uh, uh, encourage investment. He did not at one moment speak about, I'm going to maintain a tight rein on the fiscal situation in South Africa. And that's what the markets were terrified of was that he had been appointed there deliberately to overcome the constraint imposed by Nkwantlanene, who was trying to do his job, and in preventing uh, reckless decisions being made about government expenditure. So to that extent, confidence has now been restored partially. Uh, people will feel a lot happier to know that Pavin Gordon is in charge. He's got a proven track record now. Uh, some will be critical that even he was not quite as disciplined uh, fiscally as one would have liked. Nonetheless, he had a lot of respect uh, and still carries a lot of respect. The real problem is confidence will still not be totally restored until people feel that someone who is not as volatile uh, and flip-flopping with decisions as President Zuma is doing is uh, put in charge of the country. Uh, so long as President Zuma remains uh, in charge of the country, I'm afraid confidence will be lacking. So should there be any consequences for this? The JSE All Share Index lost 169.6 billion rand between Thursday and Friday. Should there be consequences? 
Dr. Jamil? Uh, correct. I think the most obvious consequence is for the president to resign. The fact is that even if the rand settles now at 14.5, 15 rand to the dollar, it will still be a lot weaker than it was uh, prior to recent events. And that means that inflation will turn out to be higher than anticipated. Interest rates are set to rise, which will be very painful, especially for the lower to middle income groups. And it will be negative for employment creation. Surely there is someone to blame for this because, uh, other than the international markets, which are partially to blame. And the secondary blame must def- definitely fall on the president's reckless decision last week and you know his backtrack now which shows complete lack of control over uh, what is happening uh, Professor Figeni, um, uh, Dr. Jamin says it was a reckless decision but you know many people have been asking how, how was this decision ultimately arrived at given um, what the president already knows this is not the first cabinet that he's appointed so one would then think that he is au fait with the facts in terms of what will keep the market stable what will keep them happy so where did this come from well that is still the question many people are asking because it would look like without consulting the structures the very issue that some leaders uh, of the ANC were emphasizing in the post-Polovani period. Uh, The president seemed to have made a decision, and once the pressure was on, the president yielded. And the worrying factor here, whilst it is positive that when pressure comes, the president would listen, would be whether a due consideration, a reflection, and proper process of reflecting on who would be uh, best for the position of a very sensitive portfolio during this time of economic and financial crisis. It looks like nothing of that sort in a careful consideration would have taken place. Other considerations were made. Only after the pressure comes that you do have the kind of decision or the retraction, as my colleague was saying. But more important also is the fact that we have seen many people being presented as candidates for multinational organizations or multilateral organizations. Not once did we see them being removed from their positions whilst awaiting for a process of nomination or a process of selection. And again, that even such a big thing as deploying somebody to BRICS Bank would not have been known by ANC leadership, cabinet colleagues, is a worrying factor. It does depict a person who is relatively isolated or who may be consulting other people than the formal structures to take the decisions. That in itself, I think, to me, raised the question of judgment, which is more fundamental. And then the last one is close to local government elections. A last-minute hurried decision to put a new minister in that, again, sensitive portfolio where service delivery crisis in the local government is again another issue which says 
can you afford to unleash or to present somebody who people will know was not the first choice, was not after careful consideration, more so when the person was a mayor of one municipality which was not particularly covered in glory. And the last point I want to make, when the president says this in fact is a promotion to send Nene away to Bank, since when did a national interest of financial and economic challenges be seen as second best to being head of a multilateral bank which will simply be dishing out loans. Well, and the lines are open. 891 Let's hear your views. Um, uh, Dr. Jamin only with us until half past eight. So if you have questions uh, for him, I suggest you get them in now. Prof. Geni will stay with us until nine. 891 That's the SMS line number and our Twitter and Facebook handle AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Let's go to Sidima in Kailicha. Good morning. Uh, good morning, good, good morning, Sakina, and good morning to the listeners. All right, uh, Stima, tell you what, hold on, uh, we'll try and get you on another line. We apologize, there's something going on with the lines. We're not quite sure what it is, uh, but uh, we'll try and uh, find better lines uh, to speak to our guests on there. Um, I just want to go back, um, uh, Professor Figeni, uh, you were talking about, you know, um, the, the, the various uh, points that you outlined there. But in politics, perception is everything. And right now, what do you think the perception is within the alliance? Does this move over the past few days, these moves, do they weaken President Jacob Zuma's position politically at all? Without any doubt, the erosion of his power influence is on uh, on two accounts. When the fees must fall, he caved in perhaps rightly so, for something that ought to have been attended to. Now, again, the second pressure comes in and he cares. So once people sense that he is vulnerable to that kind of pressure, and also once they know that he's serving his last term, it may speed up that time when he becomes lame duck and may even speed up that situation when after the election of the next ANC president, in 2017, the question of two centers of power may come up. And uh, even worse still, if the economic challenges as well as ANC not doing so well in local government elections, all those things may be blamed on him. And you may begin to see even some of his staunch supporters beginning to reflect differently. Well, let's go back to the lines. Dima and Kailicha, good morning. Yes, good morning, Sakin and the listeners. Uh, Sakina, uh, the ANC. Uh, I, I question the integrity of the of the of the African National Congress of late in the leaders under the leadership of Jacob Zuma. Look, we here we we are sitting with a president who is running away from from the court, who who, who is facing a string of uh, of uh, of allegations or crimes, and here we are sitting with a president who is. Whose, whose integrity and and, and 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 intelligence is questionable, and I, I don't know what the ANC uses, what criteria they use to recall a president. It is high time they recall Jacob Zuma.
he has said he has dented the image of the African National Congress, which we respected for all these hundred years it existed. All right. It, is high, it, is, it is high time they recall him. And, uh, and he didn't respond to my email about the realities, eh? Oh, we'll look at it, uh, Stima. Thank you so much. That's Stima in uh, Kailicha. Felix in Elspreet, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, I think we must begin to ask ourselves some few questions. That one, what is really our problem? Then two, how do we go about solving this problem? In my own mind, I think we have a serious problem of leadership in this country. And until we focus on that leadership we will never be able to solve our problem. And two, how should we go about this? I think the good people of this country, both inside and outside of ANC, must begin to rise up on their feet now and demand that Zuma and his cabinet must either ship, shape up or ship out. We must begin a rolling mass action in this country in which we have to force them to realize that it is time for them to be able to deliver to this country. Unless we do that, Okay. Leadership will never change. Thank you so much, uh, Felix. Uh, Dr. Jamin, what sort of effect would that have on the markets if suddenly South Africans decided that they needed to rise up? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I, I struggled to listen to the questions. Uh, but, could but, you hear the questions? Uh, both of our callers were talking about, um, you know, a change in leadership uh, for the African National Congress and possibly the country. But uh, how would that impact on us economically? Uh, simply because there has been a total loss of confidence in markets in the integrity uh, of uh, President Zuma and his decision-making ability. Uh, There are suspicions that many of the programs that he is trying to manipulate into place, uh, and obviously the most uh, prominent one of those was the amount of money that he uh, supposedly and uh, spent on upgrading his homestead. Uh, All of these, and now with regards to the latest uh, replacement of Nene, the suspicion is that Nene was simply trying to do his job in preventing a a rehash of a deal between South African Airways and Airbus, which which people are suspicious, was simply meant to try and benefit certain people close to President Zuma financially. Uh, similarly, with the deal that is proposed, has been proposed to build eight nuclear power stations, there is a suspicion that Zuma and his friends are deliberately trying to push through these deals in order to benefit themselves. And this does not go down very well with the financial community. And they feel that any other leader will hopefully not have the same kind of financial agendas to uh, enrich himself as President Zuma does. And um, uh, Dr. Jamin, is there any likelihood, is there any chance that um, uh, David Van Royen, in those three days in which he was Minister of Finance, could have signed any deals? Uh, I know there is a rumor going around that he did so, but, uh, you know, I, 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 don't know when, I don't want to comment on such speculation. I would find it very difficult to believe that in such a short space of time he could have pushed through such a, a deal. And after all, the deadline for that deal is the 21st of December, so there is still another week uh, in which to, for that to have been done. 
Uh, I don't know why it would have been done so quickly. And if it has been done, of course, all the more reason why um, the calls for President Zuma to resign will uh, gather momentum. Well, Dr. Jamin, thank you so much uh, for your time this morning. Uh, We're going to let you go now and uh, speak to you again soon, I'm sure. Uh, Dr. Azar Jamin there talking to us about the latest cabinet reshuffle is, of course, the director and chief economist of Econometrics. And still with us is uh, Professor Somatota Figeni, political analyst. And um, the two calls we took there, uh, Prof, uh, integrity of the ANC has been called into question, says uh, Sidima and um, uh, Felix, both of them talking about what leadership is or perhaps is not doing right now and raising the question of whether uh, there should be a recall on the cards. What's your take on that, Prof? Well, I do think that for any party that spends a disproportionate amount of time trying to defend its leader or trying to provide a context that apparently was not there in the utterances, and therefore take that opportunity cost of not having to spend more time explaining its programs. That party, its reputation, as well as its standing, tend to be uh, susceptible to all kinds of risks. And that is the space where ANC finds itself at this moment. And also when it becomes apparent that the leader may have some distance from or be alienated from its own base, the ANC, uh, in terms of consultations, then it becomes a problem because it was one of the reasons Tabombeki was recalled. They were saying that or removed from even leadership of the ANC that he had gone aloof. He was governmentalizing the ANC and he was not consulting the structures. And here we go again. We seem to be uh, in the same space, so to speak. So to that extent, I think uh, the president would be well advised to reflect very carefully because increasingly he may become vulnerable to these calls, especially when some of the decisions, as my colleague Azar was saying, lend themselves to all kinds of conspiracies, all kinds of informal deals and so forth. For one to come clean on those, decisions have to be transparent. Well, we're going to continue with this discussion after the news break. We are asking this morning, what are the political and economic repercussions of uh, the latest decision for another cabinet reshuffle? The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. And this morning on the forum, we are asking what are the political and economic repercussions of uh, the decisions to have two cabinet reshuffles in the space of five days? And our guest this morning, Professor Sumantota Fikeni. And uh, Prof, um, just looking at uh, some of the messages coming through and what people are talking about, I just want to hop back to uh, the losses that have been incurred. Um, uh, the JSE index, uh, all share index, as we pointed out earlier, losing $169.6 billion um rands between Thursday and Friday. Now in real terms, what does that actually mean? And is that, you know, cause for real concern at this point? Should there be serious and real repercussions for that? Uh certainly remember that the market is extremely sensitive to volatility. 
markets can live with bad or even good policy, but markets often look for certainty so that they can make decisions. To the extent that you would have had such changes in such a short space of time and explanations for the changes not so convincing, and the person coming in earlier on not being a prominent player in the sector, that in itself has harmed us. Perhaps the one that is even more challenging is when people begin to question the decision-making process and the judgment. That is perhaps a lot more fundamental than any other decision that would have been taken because it simply means you are uncertain about tomorrow, and it creates uncertainty amongst the ministers themselves. And not only that, we have now seen, if you include the ones of the change of administrations, more than five cabinet reshuffles in a space of six years. That turnover, remember, has ripple effect. Policies in departments also change. Sometimes DGs have to move and some stuff you lose institutional memory and some people will have just begun to make changes and therefore they have to abandon that. All that has a very disruptive effect. Look at countries which are now emerging markets. You find that even when you have a change of administration, fundamentals speaking to their national interests and certain policies never change. Well, we're going to go back to the lines, 891 But before we do, let's just uh, read through some of the messages. Uh, Eugene Waga Mashimbe says, I presume now he took a decisive decision to bring back uh, Praveen Gordon to his job. Our economy might go better as this guy has experience in finance. But I record the point that Zuma must fall as he is fa- failing to run the country properly. Nklanta Nigati says, it, is, it still doesn't explain why Mr. Nene was fired. Secondly, Van Royen failed to handle one municipality and now he heads them all. Is there any sense in that? And then Gobani says, Hi SK, I have nothing to say. I won't be surprised to hear that the country is owned by the Chinese. And then Dennis Pumlani says, um, uh, um, in Umshalozi, I believe this act is an admission of wrongdoing, which is an honorable thing to do. Go, uh, Mr. President. Uh, Masumula says uh, there is no stability in the country. This is getting deeper. Three ministers in one week. Marule's contribution. We are like a ship without a captain. The mess and damage done can't be corrected. It's too late. And uh, J.S. Mahomane says confused decisions while Tabang Maseko's contribution is damage control tactics the nation is watching. And and, uh, just going back uh, to that one by uh, Marule, who says, it's too late, this can't be corrected. Do you agree with that, Prof? I don't agree. South Africa's fundamentals are solid. However, we need some consistency and leadership at all levels in the public sector, in the private sector, in the civil society to begin to understand the scale of challenges we're facing and what ought to be done in the national interest, not in the interest of individuals, not in the interest of factions, not in the partisan interest, but rather in the interest of the society. A careful thinking reflection as to where do we go from here. 
how do we resolve fundamental issues is key, but given the current challenges afflicting state-owned enterprises, afflicting some of the state institutions, and showing signs of diminishing state capacity, we are not in a position to resolve these issues. And one hopes that at some point there will be a turnaround. Mm. And whilst I take the point of, you know, um, the president and minister serving at the president's behest, it is entirely his prerogative. Does the president not have advisors whom he turns to? He ought to. And even his political party had made a point very strongly in Puluwane in saying, we want a president who will consult. We want a president who will take ANC into confidence. Then fast forward some years later, you realize that there is a serious gap, both the expectation gap as well as the actual decision-making on some of the issues, because not once have you realized that some members are simply not aware of what is happening at a very senior level. Mm. Let's go to the lines now. 891 Arnold in Peter Maritzburg. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Thank you. Just a quick comment. I think the first one, I must say up front, really, that I like him Sholozi as a person, um, and I also like the organization he represents for different reasons. But, I mean, his latest flip-flopping um, on strategic decisions, like the ones that he's now making, has made me to think, Sakina, that no matter how intelligent you are, uh, naturally, you know, you need school. You need to be equipped, you need to be educated, but you can see things in their true context. What has happened for me suggests that, um, you know, the things that have been decided upon were not viewed in their true context. And that is why we had um, um, such an erosion of the market. Thank you, Sakina. Thank you so much. Arnold, KGM is in Cape Town. Good morning. No, KGM, not great. Uh, we'll come back to that line. Let's try Salim in Joburg. Hi, Salim. Uh, good day, uh, Sakina. You see, it's sad because of the damage to the economy. But what's even sadder that we had a top black man that was an excellent minister of finance. It's the credibility lost. We wanted to see a black man run this economy. We had a chance and we threw away the chance simply because of bad management. It's a mismanagement of this country. Thank you so much, uh, Salim. Uh, uh, Prof, could you respond to those two in the meantime? Well, I do think that uh, the public is within its right to be concerned and to raise the issue of mismanagement, which is actually correct in a sense, as a decision maker and as a CEO of the country. When you take decisions, we should be at peace and we should rest at home knowing that so many processes, so many consultations, so many considerations have been taken and these informed by what would best serve the national interest. That is the definition of leadership, particularly during the difficult times. But once we start second-guessing the decisions made, and you start having the proliferation of all other informal stories about what could have been and what may be behind this or that decision, 
then it erodes confidence and creates a great sense of uncertainty. Now, we know, you know, speaking to um, uh, the Secretary General of the ANC's a uh, little while back uh, before um, the, uh, the, their Congress um, uh, lately, he said that, you know, on the question of having to recall a president, it's not something that the ANC would even want to consider at this point, given what happened to uh, President Tabombeki. But... Does the ANC then continue on a trajectory um, when it is rather obvious that um, things are not panning out well for them and that in this case, some would even say that the president has become a liability to the party? Certainly, as I said earlier on, once the party spends a disproportionate amount of time, almost 80% of time, trying to explain what the president was saying, trying to rationalize some of his decisions, trying to explain some of his uh, close colleagues around him, and it loses the opportunity to explain his programs. Surely those are signs that he might actually uh, be a liability to that extent and may expose ANC to the opposition, to the civil society, to the international community, which may begin to see it as vulnerable. So to that extent, indeed, there is a question of being a liability. Take the more recent uh, explanation that the party comes before the uh, country. You hardly find anyone as the head of the state anywhere in the world who could even consider making such a mistake, even if privately they may consider that to be the case. And when ANC tried to defend, guess what happened? He was abroad. He came back and started where he left to insist that he was correct. So those are the kinds of things which present a strain. Remember the former spokesperson of the president, uh, Mac Maharaj. It took him to go to retirement to confess that some of the advices were not taken. All those things taken together, it's not just one incident, suggests that the president either has to do a deep introspection or the party has to just suffer the consequences of having to close its eyes when it realizes that it's being exposed to all kinds of risk and attacks. But what would an unstable ANC, what what sort of uh, challenge would that present to brand South Africa and to South Africa as a country? Because if the ANC were to recall yet another president... What sort of message does that send out? It does send out a message, uh, one of instability and the questioning of how ANC chooses its leaders, especially after it had just re-elected the president to the second term. But at the same time, it does raise the question of internal democracy to say that if there are objective, verifiable, concrete reasons for doing so, the party would not hesitate to take action, or else you have to balance risks here. If ANC continue to be exposed to a number of risks and to the misstatements and some decision-making, as you have seen, uh, vis-a-vis the recalling, 
they'll have to weigh the options down the line. Uh, unless there was a situation where you said, after one or two incidents, there seemed to be an improvement in the situation. But if it doesn't, not only does it begin to raise concern within the ANC, but also to the public as well. Let's go back to the lines. Um, Mike in Newlands, good morning. Hi, it's great. How can you hear me okay? Oh, not great. Uh, so we'll try another one. Uh, Hoboy in Middleburg. Yes, how are you, Connie? Good, and you, Hoboy? Now, fine, man. I want to ask a question to the professor. <clears throat> uh, I want to check, man, what do you think of then might have happened, taking into account that the president has taken us into confidence, and I think for a couple of days back, after then, the appointment then was made of Van Royen, and now, once then, after two or three days, then he have changed the decision. What do you think that might have happened then to him, then to him, then to process, uh, actually, in these uh, two days? Thank you so much. Oh, boy, KGM in Cape Town. Uh, good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your guests and, and listeners. Sakina, uh, this is a reflection for me, uh, not only on, on the ANC, but on us as a people as South Africa. We, we have succumbed to, to the lowest of the low. I, I think this is time where we need to look at ourselves as, as a people. The, the ANC and the politics of the country are, are not really uh, uh, signaled in terms of the political party it's, uh, itself. Now, if you look at, at the, the progression of these decisions, you know, dating back to when it, it was uh, President Mandela uh, electing, rather uh, appointing uh, President Mbeki out of uh, uh, the, the boundaries of the collective. People did not complain about that. If you remember the 1997 uh, decision in Mafikeng, this has been the, the culture that has continued to sort of rock the ANC. And unfortunately now, it's no longer just reflecting on the ANC, but it's affecting all of us as a people. And I think that's where we have to look at it. We no longer have to be worried about the ANC, but to be worried about ourselves as a nation. Thank you so much, uh, KGM. Mike, also in Cape Town in Newlands. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Is that better? Can you hear me? Much better. Fantastic. Two things. This also reminds me of a book I've just read called Nothing Left to Steal by Wild Africa. And I think in a sense that kind of explains a lot. It talks about the corruption of the ANC and the, and the robbing of the parastatals. And I think what happens, what has happened here, and I'd like the professor's opinion on this, is that the ANC hit a bit of a wall. There is nothing left to steal. Uh, the, the president needs the money. If you look at the northwest province, for example, I think we had 1.4, 1.6 billion rand stolen in the last 12 months. Um, and no, no consequences. That word's also cropping up. No consequences. Why is that? Because a lot of that money is kicked back to the TV house as far as I can make out, and it's the way that the whole uh, funding project of the ANC operates. And I think Nenny's just come to the stage where he said, listen, we can't get any like this anymore. We've, when we do a tender, it's got to be for the best price for the country, not the best price for the ANC, because we've always got to remember one thing, and it will always make sense if you keep saying to yourself, the ANC comes first and the country comes second. Keep that in mind, and every decision that the president and the ANC make always makes a lot of sense. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you so much, uh, Mike and Newlands. Uh, John in Middleburg, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Good and you, John. All right, can I speak? Please do. All right, yeah, I think for me, the first thing, the guys of Zuma must fall. They must, they must carry on. And the better, another thing, they must just check this Premier League because I see these guys coming from north to west. The other one, not replaced, Ramatlodi was coming from the free state.
That's all I want to say. Yeah. Okay, that's John in Middleburg. Uh, Prof, let's get back to you. Yes, Sakina. The first one, what might have happened, mm. uh, the one from Mr. Oboy, uh, between the time the president took the decision. It's a million-dollar question, really, because, as I said earlier, even more recently, after the outcry, the president presenting uh, himself before the ANC Congress in Pumalanga sounded defiant, confident of his decision. Few hours later, we get this particular, uh, you know, news, which suggests that some either close confidante or ANC leaders or senior people went to speak to the president to say this situation is untenable and even presented options. Hence, this particular turnaround, because when the president presented in Pumalanga, he didn't sound like a person who is no longer certain about his decision. That is why this is rather bizarre of a turnaround. Mm-hmm. No, and, and, and as you say, that is the million-dollar question. Um, do you think that um, the markets, um, and, and as some would like to call it, white monopoly capital weighed in on this? I doubt it takes just the markets. Remember, during the weekend when he made the speech, the markets are generally closed and less active. So everything will have happened up until Friday in many parts of our markets and abroad something must have happened uh, a combination of the social media campaign uh, president zuma must fall and the threatened march the anc veterans breaking ranks writing and also expressing their unhappiness about the decision as well as uh, you know the whole range of other pressure points that must have compressed the president to a point of confession uh, in this particular case. But it's most likely that either close people to him or senior ANC leaders might have actually walked and met with him and signaled that this is a turning point. Mm. And um, uh, Ray Horn is calling us uh, from Johannesburg. Good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Oh, good, thanks, but your line's not great, Ray, so please keep it short. Sorry, sorry about that. Can you hear me now? The line's not good. Just go for it. Okay, yeah, I just want to say, you know, uh, I appreciate all the uh, concerns from everyone in the country about... Okay, and then we lost him. That line, unfortunately, wasn't good uh, from the very beginning. But I just want to go back to, um, you know, the considerations. And again, President Jacob Zuma and the decision-making process, uh, Prof. From the ANC statement uh, last Wednesday night um, into Thursday morning, looking again as what you were saying and also listening to um, a package that we played earlier of uh, Minister Lindiwe Zulu speaking, it is clear that people do not seem to be in the know around the president. But what does that say about his state of mind and where he feels he's at politically right now? Well, it is actually something uh, rather strange because when he came in, he was touted as this consultative president who was prepared to take longer time to make decisions because he was still consulting. 
It might as well be that he has now been emboldened by the election into the second term and by real or perceived consolidation of power within the ANC key uh, stakeholders. And uh, therefore, he may feel confident that he could take decisions. But that, unfortunately, betrays something else, that he might actually be becoming more and more isolated uh, from the very ANC base itself. And uh, privately, the concerns of ANC leaders are louder, but publicly they come and rally around the leader as would be expected. If he doesn't begin to read those signs, then surely this will impact negatively on his legacy. That's how he's going to be remembered. Even some of his achievements may be eclipsed by these particular happenings. And also the rumors that are always making rounds that informal decision-making amongst informal friends or colleagues, close confidantes, seem to carry more weight than the formal, consultative, transparent decisions. That, again, may raise concerns wherein even the ANC itself may feel emasculated, in a sense. And uh, the president would have to do something rather quickly to correct that or suffer being consigned in history and perceived in this particular manner. Let's hear from Ray again. Let's see, hopefully on a better line. Ray, good morning. Hi, Greg. Can you hear me now? We can. Yes. So, as I was saying earlier, you know, I understand that President Zuma is coming under a lot of fire. And, you know, deservedly so for a lot of things. But it's strange to see, whether it's on social media, whether it's on radio, or just conversing with other people, that we're only looking at negatives in the last few weeks. When has ever people look at the positives of the country and look at what good has actually happened and what good has he brought and what better our country is than other places. Why do we so quickly forget about the good and only look at the bad things that's happening everywhere? It's, it's mind-boggling to me. Thank you so much, Ray. It's not about focusing on good and bad. We're focusing on what is currently going on. But having said that, um, you know, I just want to get your opinion on a quick one. Um, uh, Trevor Ngube, uh, when asked about Zimbabwe and how Zimbabwe got to be the place that it is, and he said it's not an event, it's a process. Is that something that we should be concerned about? Certainly, I'm on record for saying that the cumulative effect of many incidents, the Gupta landing, this decision, the changes in cabinet and so forth, which are not easy to explain. Cumulatively, they may actually erode what we know of our institutions and what we know of our democracy and even ANC's own internal democracy. And by the time we open our eyes, as Dawson says, Chains of habit are too weak to be felt until they are too strong to be broken. Well, Professor Figeni, thank you so much for your time once again. Uh, Professor Somatota Figeni, uh, political analyst, our guest this morning. Brings us up to 9 o'clock. Thanks for your participation. Remember, we're with you from 7 until 9, until the 4th of December. Right now, though, it's time for the news with Kumbuzile Tabete.